0: When you want to succeed as bad as you want to free then you'll be successful. And I'm here to tell you, number one, that most of you say you want to be successful, but you don't want it bad, you just kind of want it. Work ethic eliminates fear, you know? So if you put forth the work, then you know, what are you fearing? You know you, what you're capable of doing, what you're not. You know, if you put your mind to doing whatever you want to do, you know, good things can happen. Because limits, like fear are often just an illusion. You're listening to The Plunkett Fitness Project. Here's your host, Jamie Plunkett.
1: Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to our fourth podcast today. Uh, what we're going to be talking about today is my favorite thing, which is hard work. I know everybody kind of looks at me funny when I say that, but hard work has uh, been the sole thing that has got me to this point in my life, um, and it changed my life. So um, that's going to be our topic today, hard work and achievement with that, and basically how anything is achievable with hard work. Um, You know, I know we're told this a lot when we're really young, and then, you know, usually by the time we're 13, 14 years old, people start putting limits on what we can achieve. They start saying, yeah, you're not really made out to be a doctor, or you're not made out to be a lawyer or a professional athlete or whatever it may be. And um, I'm not here to tell you that anybody can be anything, but... Most things can be achieved with hard work and dedication and and uh, consistency, so consistently doing the same thing year after year and just consistently working at whatever it is you're trying to achieve. Uh, and I think I believe I was talking to a client about that today. Um, I believe that that is one of the worst things that happen to uh, kids growing up is is we stop telling them that they can achieve anything they set their mind to uh and believing in them and, and reinforcing them and giving them that positive reinforcement that they can achieve what they set their mind to. It's gonna take a lot of hard work, but it can be achieved and uh I think a lot of people in life get negative on life because they didn't do the things that they wanted to achieve in life. So they're gonna put that same negative uh cloud over, you know, somebody else who tells them they want to achieve something when, you know, I I like I, I'll say I'll say it again, um I truly believe anything can be achieved with hard work. And I think more people need to be putting that message out there, especially to our youth. Uh, I know that was something that I struggled with a lot growing up. Um, And again, by any means, if you listen to my other podcasts, you know I I dearly love my parents, so I'm not saying anything negative about my parents. I was a difficult kid growing up. Um, You know, so God bless them for for, uh, getting me to this point in my life, to be quite honest with you. But uh um, you know, I didn't believe in myself growing up, and I never really had anybody, you know, reinforcing uh, to believe in myself. And, you know, that may sound negative on my parents, but they were working all the time trying to provide for us. And, and you know, now that I look back on that, you know, that's also what instilled my work ethic uh, is watching them day in, day out. And I mean, it took me a long time to for that to absorb. But uh, now I look back on why I work so hard and why it doesn't phase me like it does You know, some people, they say you work so hard. To me, it's normal, and it's, you know, from watching my parents all those years work so much and so hard. So, um, but to kind of tell you my story about hard work and discipline, um, when I was growing up, I, you know, um, I was fairly athletic when I was younger, Uh, and then, you know, I was diagnosed with ADD when I was uh, in the third grade or so, and they put me on Ritalin. And uh, this may not be the case, but I truly believe that changed me uh, mentally. To it, it made me from, it changed me from you know being outgoing to, you know I was, uh, you know I, I suppose I was I was still pretty outgoing and ornery, but um, you know I think a lot of the ADD stuff and Ritalin and all that stuff is is people trying to get boys not to be boys. Um, you know we're not. I know myself for sure and i've read a lot of books about it boys are not meant to sit in a classroom for 8 hours and when you when you do that to them i mean that's like trying to you know trying to get a a, a fish to climb a tree it's not going to work yeah
0: it's cage it's definitely caging an animal you know yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah so um i was definitely one of those kids uh they diagnosed with ADD in the 80s you know and in the 80s when you're diagnosed with ADD you know everybody kind of looked at you funny thought you were different weird Um, So that really set me back personally. It it really affected my self-confidence and and my belief in myself. Um, And I honestly did not believe in myself until I started lifting weights consistently uh, about the age of 18. So the uh, back half, so the, the last semester of my senior year of high school. And up until that point, I didn't even have any plans of going to college, which I think I mentioned that in our first podcast. You know, my plan—I, you know, I—I I was going to work at a factory or do some blue-collar job, and not that there's anything wrong with that, but, um, you know, lifting weights completely changed my life. And then I—I decided, hey, I'm going to go to college. When, prior to that, I didn't think I was good enough for college. Didn't think I could make it. Um, and lifting weights, you know, gave me that confidence that, holy cow, you know, all this stuff that I've believed up to this point—that I would—that I just wasn't cut out for certain things or I couldn't achieve certain things um, is all false. And, uh, weightlifting is truly what changed my mindset on that and got me to believe in myself. And, and it really opened up the entire world for me and just like gave me a whole nother view on, you know, life and just the world in general and, and how anything is achievable with hard
0: work. Did you, was that the first thing that you really got addicted to? Like in your life, like the first big thing that like, you know, that you like, once you started doing it, you couldn't step back from it. Cause I know I, for me, it was, I started, and I started caddying when I was 11 and mm-hmm. up until that point I had, you know, I grew up and it's funny cause my parents, my dad drilled into my head. You can do anything you put your mind to. It was one of those weird things that, yep. and even, even with all of that confidence, even with all that, that, that support my entire life. I still lack self-confidence. Like that's how hard, and that, I think that's part of just like that, uh, you know, that that awkward age of being a kid because you're so focused on what other people are thinking. It, it's just a, it's a tough thing. And until you find, you know, that one thing that really, that number one, you enjoy, but number two, it just lights a fire under you. Like for me, it was, I, I never played golf. I played football, basketball, baseball. I always called the normal sports. Mm-hmm. Growing up when I was 11, I started caddying, and I thought I always thought golf was a wimp sport, and you know all that. My dad watched it, but um, once that was the first thing, and then I I literally could. It was one of those deals where I would I would work I worked until you know let's say I worked till two or three in the afternoon at the golf course. If I was allowed to play, I would play until the sun until I couldn't see my ball anymore. And if I if I could have played long, it was one of those. And then guitar was the next thing for me that just and it wasn't even it just. I don't know but but you're right you know you talked about you know that the what, what happened with you with weight training um, how it gave you self confidence it's crazy when you find something that not only um, you know is measurable which weight training and fitness is one that's one of the best things about it is you can set a goal and you can work towards it and you can see those re- results and that goes back you know that's where when you talk about hard work overall it's it's really a universal theme so maybe for you it's coding stuff you know or you could start out with or it's building things or whatever but once you you know when and look at look at what it did for you as far as altered the course of your life when you were you know going from i'm just going to get a high school degree and go get a a high school degree job essentially Yep, yep it gave you you know you found something that As a result, like weight training is only is you only get out of it what you put into it. So, but you had that, it, it triggered that thing in you when you saw the results, you're like, man, I can do this. And then once you believe you can do one thing, it's easier to believe that you can do the second thing, which is what got you to go to college. And holy shit, all of a sudden I can do this, even though 17 year old Jamie Plunkett didn't think. I'm not cut out for college. I'm just not smart enough. I'm not good enough or whatever. And then when you realize, I feel like it's almost like dominoes. Well, if I can do this, then maybe I could do that too, you know? And then once you start, and that's really, you know, people talk about like, I mean, confidence as, as if it's something that you have, but I feel like it's, and some people just do seem to have this natural confidence. Yep. But regardless of where you start, you can really prime the pump for that if you find things like for you with weight training, you know, where it's something where it's measurable, it's definable. You love doing it enough to to continue to, to do it consistently. And um, yeah, it's, 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 it's awesome that that's what, number one, got you started. And number two is what brought you back. It's almost full circle now. This is what you're doing and you're trying to, you know, help other people, um, realize that that potential in themselves.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, uh, I think one of the one of the biggest things in all of that is understanding that anything. Just like I mentioned already, anything's possible. And uh, you know, I think that's one of the biggest lessons you can learn when it comes to confidence. Is like, I can achieve anything I want to achieve. It's going to take a lot of work, but. I can do it, you know, and, um, I don't know what really set that off for me. It may have been weight training. You know, I think I I told you in the first podcast, I mentioned how I lost 50 pounds when I was 15. You know, I think that kind of set that ball rolling because, and you know, I would tell you my main motivator was I didn't want to be fat. Yeah. And that still motivates me to this day. Like, like I will, I will stop eating before I ever get fat. Yeah. And, um, that's just how I am. That's something I got made fun of for that a lot growing up and, you know, maybe it wasn't that bad. You know, you always remember those things worse than they were, yeah, but you for magnify me, yeah. for me, it was
0: bad. Well, and when you're that age, everything's bigger. <clears throat> yep. That's, Cause you don't have anything, you know, we grew up in United States, but we weren't hungry. We weren't worrying about real things. So we were manufacturing things. We're trained to find problems as human beings. That's because, you know, we were for years, we were surviving. That's what, that's what we're built for is survival. And so when you don't have real problems, yeah. I mean, and that's the stuff where, you know, everybody, I mean, not to get all super psych, like psychology (laughs) E that's not a word, but, but not to get, but yeah, I mean, everybody, you develop, what you, where you are when you're seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years old, that's still a huge party. I mean, those years are so formative and it, that's the kind of thing that will motivate you your entire life. And the funny thing for me was I was a heavy kid until I lost, um, you know, I, my, I remember my summer between junior and senior year, really it was spring. I started losing weight spring, but I came back and I was a center at, in high school and I weighed 215 pounds. I came back my senior year, I weighed 178 pounds <laughs> And my coach looked were at me. you still a center? <laughs> yeah. He's like, I don't know what we're gonna do, but I don't know what we're gonna do. And so I you know, I still I still got the job done, but it was um <laughs> you know, it was one of you can only imagine your football. And of course, you know, we had it, it was a gradual thing, but and I can't remember why I started telling that story, but it, it was uh you know, for for me it was it was one of those things where it's the same, oh, this is why I started telling it because I, I I feel like as I and as I got older, I just like you, I remember being the fat kid, being the pudgy kid or whatever. And I remember going to college and it was a few years in college where the guys that I had known from grade school and then getting out of college, the guys that were skinny when they were younger <laughs> were getting fatter. Yep. And the guys that were fatter when they were in grade school, middle school and high school are not fat anymore. Yep. It, they or they might look, they might be in better shape or whatever. And I think it's because the skinny guys didn't get that. You took
1: it for granted yeah
0: <laughs> yeah they weren't just they don't wake up thinking about you know I could drop and uh, they didn't think about Audrey you know girl I'm not gonna use her last name but they didn't think about her making fun of them when they when they were 12 years old you know that yeah. that sticks with you man especially you know those year, those formative years so those guys that were skinny fit and shape you're right they did they took it for granted and for us the, the rest of us you know it's like man I gotta work on, even right, right now it's like and I'm not I'm not a fitness guy but you know i'd worked i worked my ass off to get in shape when i was down in nashville and playing music part of that was because man everybody in nashville that's part of the job you're yep. gonna be up in front of people they you're don't want a entertainer yeah they don't watch a fat guy play guitar i mean if <laughs> like the fatter you are the better you have to be yeah. so i was like i need to get in shape because <laughs> i knew i was only i was peaking musically so i had to. but uh but yeah it's just it, it is crazy how that stuff when you're young it really does affect you and and again look at how you've taken that one bit of hard work and it has you're you're building a business out of it you know and it's it's crazy
1: yeah you know that's funny you were a center i was a center too and i weighed 210 pounds (laughs) so um but yeah i mean my biggest motivator growing up was being fat and being made fun of and that you know i felt like an outcast in a way and uh you know, it's always something I was self-conscious about, and then yeah, that definitely affects your your uh, ability with the ladies, and you know that's a that's a big motivator. Oh,
0: that's I mean, that that is that is all confidence. Yep, it's a hundred percent. There's nothing that's more attractive to, and I, I'll say that to the opposite sex. I won't just say that. I mean, as far as I know, but I think that regardless, you see those guys that just walk in there like they own the place, and you never, as the guy that's not that guy, you never understand how or why it works because i mean especially now where everybody knows like that guy you know he's a dirtbag or whatever but but yeah when you're that when you're the fat kid and those are the you like i mean i'm gonna tell you ladies you want to marry the fat kid (laughs) because (laughs) the the fat kid he he knows like he like that's that's the guy you want to marry the the guy that was the fat kid growing up because I, I don't know why. It just seems like those guys are, you know, they, it wasn't just handed to them. They, they had to learn how to treat women properly. And even then, they would end up being your friend, <laughs> you
1: know? I was waiting how you were going to spin that
0: one. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you had to get back around to the – uh, wheel it back around, I guess.
1: Yeah, anyway. Um, so, I mean, and then along with that, the other thing I wanted to mention was, uh, you know – Everybody says there's secrets. It's just like, you know, only certain people can become doctors, only certain people can become lawyers. Professional sports are a little different, but I'll even say that. I mean, a lot of times the guys that make in professional sports, they work their butt off. You know, you got some guys that are just physically gifted. Um, For example, LeBron James. I'll use him as a great example. Um, Everybody that knows me knows I'm not a big fan of his. (laughs) And the reason it's not taking anything away from the guy, the guy is probably one of the most athletically gifted athletes we have ever seen. 100%. You know, next to Bo Jackson. Um, And what's funny is I personally will not put Michael Jordan in that category as physically gifted. He was, but not at the same level. And I am the biggest Michael Jordan fan you will ever come across. I had so many posters of his growing up. I ran out of wall space, and they were on the ceiling of my room.
0: It's it's so funny you mentioned that again. We grew up in the same period, but but I was going to say Bo Jackson too, and yep. what his thirty for thirty yep. is one of the, like who would have, that guy never even went into a gym. I mean, imagine and and again, it was just that pure gift. And when you talk about, you know, with LeBron, I mean, and that's the thing you you have to, regardless of what you're given, which he was given an immense like you want to talk about privilege. That guy had physical privilege as far as like just but but he did work his ass off to capitalize on that so you you can't not recognize that if if, in my opinion if you're being honest but again i'm a jordan guy too and i feel like that's a generational thing where a lot of us old school guys are like but jordan had the heart he got cut junior year you know lebron did not get cut junior year no you know
1: yeah and i mean that's what makes it to me that's what what makes the difference between those two guys, and, and one of them having having lost a quite a few championships, and one of them never even got to seven games in in final series. Right. Um, Jordan's work ethic is second to none, and quite honestly, if you look at anybody who is extremely successful, their their the foundation is work ethic. Tom Brady's that way. Um, you know, I mean, there's so many great athletes that. That's kind of, you know, they may be... Jerry Rice is that way. And, I mean, if you look at Tom Brady and Jerry Rice in particular, neither one of them were supposed to even make it.
0: Yeah, have you Did you see the picture that surfaced last week of Tom Brady shirtless? Oh, yeah, that's... The dude's got a dad bod. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. But, you know, he's got that bizarre cannon for an arm, clearly. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, he never, ever stopped getting better. Yep. He's never, And he never allowed himself to, to regress. And that's just... You know, I feel like, and I feel like back in the day, um, you know, a lot of people, when you would see successful guys, I mean, and and again, I'll go back to, I grew up caddying in a country club here in Kansas city. And a lot of those guys that were, you know, the big wigs back in the eighties and early nineties, it seemed like they didn't work as much. Whereas, and I feel like that's a, a different, a different era. Whereas now I feel like all the guys that I look up to professionally that I think are just out there killing it. Those guys are working like. I mean like dogs and the more successful they are, because I feel like now, especially your hard work is rewarded, but I also feel like the competitions, it's easier to succeed than ever, but it's also the competition is stiffer than ever across the board. So if you're at the top of your game, regardless of your industry, there's a bunch of people nipping at your heels. So you've got to continue to improve yourself or you run the risk of being replaced.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you look at most people that are, um, the difference between the in any, and I feel like this is, I know this is true in my industry. Um, you know, in in my industry, I've worked at two large gyms. You know, before I started my own business, and I was one of the most successful trainers at both gyms. There was thirty trainers at both gyms, um, and I have told people numerous times the reason why I was one of the most successful trainers had nothing to do. with with my talent or ability, it had to do with my my willingness to say yes when a client asked me to train them, no matter what time of day it was. Um, you know, I I I I've worked seven days a week a lot of my life, sure. and and that to me is what separated me from from all the other people I worked with over the years. And I believe that's the you know you know I used to, my buddies used to always make fun of me in college because I wouldn't go out drinking with them, right. and it was because I want to get up the next morning and work out. Um, and I mean, it, I didn't really have a long term vision of what I was doing. I just knew I liked to work out. And I knew if I went out drinking with them, I wouldn't get my chance to work out. And, and I worked about 35 hours a week while I was going to college. So, you know, it was either go out and drink with them because I, it was, I couldn't get rid of the work and I couldn't get rid of the school. Right. So it, it is either going out drinking with them or working out. And I knew that being fat, you know, not working out was not an option. So, um, you know, I chose working out over going out and partying with my friends and they'd give me a hard time about it all the time. And, you know, some of that's a household I grew up in too. You know, my parents never did any of that stuff. So it wasn't normal for me to do that stuff. And, you know, it was normal. You know, my normal was not doing those things. Um, but I mean, that's, that's kind of what separates, you know, what I've seen separate me from a lot of the trainers I worked with over the years is on the weekends, they go out and they party every weekend and, you know, they don't, you know, during the week, they don't want to be there at five in the morning, or they'll be there at five in the morning, but they don't want to be there at four o'clock at night, or you know, whatever it is. And I mean, I've always just been like, I'll be there at five in the morning, I'll be there at eight o'clock at night. I got bills to pay. I'm not afraid to work. Well, you know,
0: it, yeah, and and I think too that that also speaks to something where, you know, you're you're doing something you're truly passionate about. Number one, so it's as much as it's work, you still enjoy it, and it is work. I mean, that's the thing, regardless of what you're doing. But you know, when you were working at and for those other gyms you were still putting in the hours you're still doing the the hard work but it was you know when you are working that hard you know i remember when i was my at my last corporate job which i left um i don't know 6 8 months ago to uh, to to go out on my own the thing that i thought was frustrating was i was working a, i was getting there before anybody leaving after i was in sales and the problem was there were so many things that were out of my control that were, there were balls getting dropped due to things, again, that were out of my control and a lot of it had to do with culture and the people at the top and the way things were run. So for me, I got frustrated because I'm like, D- I'm working too hard to be at this. If I was doing this for myself, if I could figure out a way to yeah. handle these things on my own, then then I would be better off. And that's why I ended up going out on my own too. But again, I just, you know, I, en- I love my job. I love what I do. So it makes it... I feel like that's a part of it is either completely loving your job, loving the company you work for, or ideally both, you know, and that'll, and that'll also, it'll just continue to, it will, it'll make you want to get better. It'll make you want to better yourself. And uh, I don't know. I just, I can't imagine um, like, I can't imagine just toughing it out. Like and say, Oh, it's just, you know, just, just, just doing it to do it. It sounds like a. It just sounds like a bad way to, bad way to go. You know.
1: Yeah. um, I'll say a lot of mines always come from a scarcity standpoint. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, when I lived in New York, when I first moved out there, I had a salary job. I was working at Citigroup. Uh, My salary was twenty nine thousand dollars a year. Wow. So every every two weeks or no yeah every two weeks you can figure it that way but um, every month I would bring home seventeen hundred dollars and my rent was 1550 Right. <laughs> so I quickly figured out I'm going to have to get a second job to supplement this, you know. And, uh, you know, what's funny is when I moved out there, I moved out there with my girlfriend at the time, and she was going to school. And, uh, you know, w- we move out there, and we we go out there and we look at apartments, and everything's everything's 1500 or more. Oh, my gosh, yeah. And uh, she's going to be going to school, so... I'm, so I tell her, I'm like, listen, and she had the money for the down payment, you know, thank God for that. And the down payment, you know, because it's first and last month and then another month for security deposit. So the down payment was like five grand. Sure. And I didn't have that. And uh, so I tell her, I'm like, listen, I'm like, you do the down payment. I will pay the rent. You pay the utilities. And... Uh, and I didn't know how I was going to do it. We right. signed this lease, but I was going to figure it out. Yeah. you know. And, and that was my thought was I'll get another job doing whatever I got to do um, to do it. And, you know, what's funny going back to this believing in yourself thing. So prior to moving out there, I had found the Sports Club LA, which is a gym in New York City. And at the time they had some in New York, I think Boston, Miami, four of them in LA. Uh, so I found that when I was still living in Kansas before I moved out there. And I remember thinking – Cause you know, they're all like prestigious and, you know, Jerry Seinfeld works out at one of them on the, on the the West side, you know, all these people work out there, athletes, all this stuff. And I remember thinking, man, that would be the place to work. Sure. You know, so I move out to New York and guy I'm working with, Carlos, I'm talking to him about this. He'd been living in New York for, I think he lived there his whole life, but he was like 45, you know? So he had experience, personal training in New York and everything. And I'm working with him at Citigroup and I say to him, you know, I say, this would be the place to work. Sure. And he's like, go drop off your resume. And I go, well, no, you, you they handpick people. Right. It says it right here. Right, right, right. He's like, go drop your resume off. And I go, really? And he's like, yeah. I mean, and I was like, but they hand I'm not good enough. Yeah. And he's like, no, you are. Go drop it off. And, you know, I don't think it was more so he was saying I was good enough. I think he was saying they'll hire anybody. Right. you know, so long as, you know, they're a personal trainer, sure. which I had a certification. And uh, I mean, sure enough, I walk in there, drop off my resume. And I mean, I'm a small town kid from Kansas. You know, and I walk in this place, I first walked in the one on the West side. I worked at the one in Rockefeller Center. I work, I walk in the one on the Upper West Side. Everything's marble. Yeah. And I mean, it's just gorgeous. And I mean, I'm like, like I get off the elevator and I am so nervous. I want to turn around and get off of it. Sure. I want to get back out of the building. Right. I'm like, I do not fit in. Right. You know, and I drop off my resume and I mean, sure enough, I've got a job two weeks later, you know, so circling back to the the hard work thing. Um, you know, when I was working that job, I remember days that I would leave my apartment at four in the morning. And I wouldn't walk back in till 11 PM and I was working that whole time. Yeah. You know, I would go to my part-time job at sports club, LA I would go. um, I would leave that after a few hours. Go work at Citigroup in the wellness centers where I worked there, Um, and then after eight hours there, I would go back and uh, you know work a few more hours at the sports club LA, and then go home. And uh, you know, and that was that scarcity. And and a funny story about that, I still remember exactly where I was when I was on the phone with my mom. Yeah, because I was working forty hours a week at uh, Citigroup, the salary job, and I was working uh, about 2025 at sports club LA. And I'm like, you know, I'm hating this job at Citigroup. Uh, and I'm just, I'm thinking I'm going to quit and just personal train, you know? And at the time in my mind, I'm picturing this, like I'm on a cliff and I'm going to jump off this cliff and hopefully my parachute opens. Yeah. Like that's kind of what I'm thinking. Cause I mean, I'm in New York city. Like there's no, like, there's no way of bailing myself out here. Yeah. And Along those same terms, I call my mom and I tell her what I'm going to do, you know, or what I'm thinking about doing. My mom's like, Jamie, that's fine. She said, but we're not bailing you out. Yeah. I was standing on the corner 90 second and second when she told me that. And I haven't looked back since that day. And since that day, I've had that scarcity mindset. And that's honestly what drives me to work so hard is I never want to depend on somebody else to help me you know, financially or really with anything, you know, I want to, it's, I mean, to me, it's pride. It's, it's part of being a man. Like you want to take care of yourself and you don't want to have to, you know, and I, they probably say this with a lot of psychological things isn't healthy, but I don't want to ask, have to ask for help. Sure. You know, I want to do it on my own and I want to be successful and, and it's, it's a lot of pride stuff. Um, but yeah.
0: Yeah. But I mean, and again, you look at all of that stuff and, and we talked before we turned the mics on, you know, earlier and Personally, I can trace every move in my life professionally, especially professionally, but I can trace it back to my first job. And when I was playing, I was a professional musician for about, uh, gosh, like 18 years. And the craziest thing about that was I could literally trace every show that I had, like how I got booked at these venues all over the Southeast and and the country and stuff. I could trace them back to my first show from how... Oh, I met this guy that got me into this. How I started doing it, and those are a lot of a lot of times you you can't necessarily plan that. It's not that you could. Maybe you could plan it, but when you're young, you don't think that way. Or I didn't at least. Yep. I wasn't sitting there saying, "Okay, if I'm going to do this," like it's kind of what you said about weight training. You didn't have this master plan. I'm going to own my gym. I'm going to own a gym, and I mean, you could, and you could never predict it. I'm going to go to New York. I'm going to like think about like, think about telling your 12 year old self your your path and that that's also it's kind of one of those things where because of what seems to be it it seems random when you're younger and as you get older you look back on it and it's like this has been incredible and i could have never i could have never planned it but when you're you know when you you get to that point and you you do look at the hard times as i learned i learned So like what you definitely learned something if you didn't, if you keep repeating the same mistake over and over again, whether it be in your personal life or professional life, then you're, it's, it's a shame, but you look back on it and you're like, man, I learned so much from that experience that at the time I thought was just God awful. And then you look at, well, this is, you know, how I got here. And you you talk about, you know, hard work. That's one thing that consistently will pay off. It will never it will never do you wrong because even if you end up pivoting or shifting gears or whatever you want to call it, what you have, uh, you, you've, the resolve that you've got from whatever you had learned from your prior experience is so incredibly valuable. And that's what you just, you can't replace that with, you know, as, as much as being young is fun. I look back on it and it's like, I don't like, I know I'm so much sharper now. And I I know so much just from the experiences that I had, again, that I couldn't predict. Um, But working hard is always, it's just never, it's never let me down. It's always been something that has gotten me to the next good, positive step in my life. You know, if it was, if things were bad, you work hard, (laughs) you get get to the next thing. If things are good, then more good comes from it. Like it's a win. You just, you're going to win if you can apply that to your life, you know?
1: Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, to me, regardless of what happens through hard work, it's either going to teach you a lesson or it's going to get you ahead. Mm-hmm. And uh, even if it does teach you a lesson, that lesson later on will get you ahead. Absolutely. You know, so um, I think I think I mentioned it before, but, you know, basically, you know, you grow up and you think there's these secrets. You know, I know in my industry everybody thinks there's a secret to fat loss. There is no secret. The secret is hard work. You know, there's a secret to, you know, being successful in life. The secret is, is, I mean you know, hopefully you're not, you know, heading in the wrong direction, you right. know, but you, you need to find somebody who's been successful at whatever it is you want to achieve and, you know, hang out with that person and, and pick their brain and figure out how it was they achieved that or read books. You know, I spend a lot of time reading, um, and just figure out what it was that made that person successful. I mean, that's what I've done with fat loss over the years. Like when I want to learn about fat loss, I seek out the leanest people in the world, and that's usually bodybuilders and figure competitors. Um, you know, they know something that that no nutritionist is going to learn in a classroom. Um, you know, no scientist is going to learn in a lab. Like it's things that they've actually done themselves to their clients. You know, I don't. It's not just an individual; it's somebody who's had a lot of success with their clients, and that goes for strength as well, which is what we do a lot with our clients. We try to get them stronger. We try to teach them how to lose fat. So, you know, that's where we get a lot of our resources is people who have been very successful doing these things themselves and with other people. And, um, you know, so when it comes to hard work, I think first got to understand where your aim should be. So what it is you want to achieve and, and find direction from somebody who's achieved it. And then just soak up as much information as you can and put your head down and go and work hard for it. Um <clears throat> you know, Ryan was asking me earlier about uh, discipline, like where you get the discipline for the hard work and everything else. And, you know, I kind of mentioned the scarcity thing, but I think one thing that taught me discipline over the years. So when I was overweight, I used to eat everything in the house. And part of the reason I was overweight was I was always in trouble. So I couldn't leave the damn house. (laughs) You know, I mean, that sounds kind of funny, but I was always grounded growing up. Um, and I mean, for good reason. I was an ornery little shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was constantly getting in trouble. But, uh, you know, I mean, I remember growing up eating an entire box of granola bars yeah. at once.
0: Oh, sure. You know,
1: because yeah. I was bored. Yeah. Um, we, would, we used to buy Coca-Cola, the two liters, like 30 or 40 of them at a time, and I would drink one two liter a day. I don't sure. know how I didn't get myself diabetes. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. I mean, I've been at the other extreme of this thing, you know, and then when I was 15 and I- you know, dieted down, lost 50 pounds like that. That was a lot of discipline. And and what it was, was, you know, they talk about when you want to be successful about something, the pain has to exceed the pleasure of what's keeping you from being successful at it. And the pain of being made fun of and, you know, not being liked or whatever it was that I felt was at the time, like that was worse than
0: the instant gratification from the yeah, two from liter of soda, from, yeah. the box of granola bars, whatever you're about to stick into your body. Yeah, yeah
1: that pain exceeded the right. pleasure of, of eating everything in the house. Yeah. And I mean, it's still something I struggle with to this day. Sure. But, um, you know, so that reminded me, there was a quote that I saw um, on Instagram a few months ago, and I brought that up to Ryan. And I truly believe, you know, I've been reading a lot about uh, meditation and and. Uh, Buddhism and all this stuff, you know, and it's just one of the books I'm reading. And, you know, it's, it's pretty interesting. One thing they talk about in there is, is, you know, when you have fear or when you're angry about something, you pause and understand what that fear is or what that anger is. Um, And I tell my clients that all the time when it comes to food, like when they're craving something. So say you're craving pizza or ice cream or whatever it is, like just pause, don't act on it. Right. Give yourself 30 minutes. You know, and then if you still wanna eat it, then you know, you know, maybe you're gonna eat it. But the big thing for me, what I talk to my clients about is the reason a lot of times the reason we make the bad decisions we do, the reason we're hungry, is because we haven't eaten enough food up to that point. So what I will do is I ask my clients, Okay, when do you eat those foods? And it's usually at the end of a work day. Right. Or it's three o'clock or whatever. And what it is, they haven't eaten enough up to that point. Right. So I was talking to a client the other day about it, and she's like, "I eat pizza, you know, a couple times a week or something like that when I get off work." And I'm like, "Well, when's the last time you 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 ate prior to that?" And she will work overnight, so sometimes it's been 24 hours. Yeah. Because she'll have got off at 9 a.m. She sleeps all day. Yeah. Because she was up all night working, and then. Um, She'll go to work, and she may be so busy that she can't eat. So then she gets back home at 9 a.m., and she eats a pizza. Yeah. And, you know, she's in really good shape, and she's a very hard worker. But a lot of times, and she may do this too, but a lot of times, and this is what I used to do, people will chalk themselves up as, well, I have a sweet tooth. And basically what they're saying is, I am broken. Right. You are not broken. So we're all the same, and it's all biology. So that the reason that you're craving those foods, those are your body's natural survival mechanisms kicking in, telling you to eat something. If you would have eaten something prior to that and kept yourself full and kept yourself satiated and not had your hunger get so bad, then you probably wouldn't have eaten the pizza. And, I mean, sometimes, sometimes you'll do that, but that kind of goes back to our previous podcast where he talked about having a plan And a lot of times I'll talk to my clients about making decisions leading up to the bad decisions. So reversing your day and understanding that is why you're craving those things. It's not that you're broken. It's not that there's, you know, that you can't just, it's not a, a self issue. It's It's a biological issue. It's not that your control needs to be better. It's that you need to set yourself up for success yeah, and prior start, to that.
0: Yeah, and stay in front of the issues. Yes, absolutely. Because you, you know they're going to be there. Like if you know that if they, if you know this is going to happen, well then you need to start taking steps to rectify it, and you know don't let it get to that point. Essentially, yeah. You know, um, and share that quote again because I think it's awesome. I don't think you read it yet.
1: Yeah, that quote is hunger is the first element of self discipline. If you can control what you eat and drink, you can control everything else. And uh, this guy's name is Doctor Umar Farouk Ab Allah. I may have messed that up, but you may um, have, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, for me, when I read that, you know, that was very enlightening for me because I have thought that same thing many times in my life, but I can't put these things into words. Sure, you know, and I mean, for me, like I can be the most self-disciplined person in the world. I. Can, You know, I'd go seven days without eating if you challenged me to it. Sure. You know, I will do, you know, there's a a video out there by Will Smith, and he talks about hard work. Dying on the treadmill? Yes. Yes, I love that video. Yeah, and he said, said, you know, the difference between me and you is we're going to get on a treadmill (laughs) together, and either you're going to get off first or I'm going to die on that treadmill. Right. And that, to me, is kind of one thing that I believe the hunger thing is the same thing, and I believe that's a real big part of all of this and understanding hard work and self-discipline, like that's one of your body's natural survival mechanisms and you have the mental focus and fortitude to override it and kind of like this meditation thing, sit with it and pause in it and understand what it is, you know, understand that, you know, I'm just hungry, I'm going to be fine versus, you know, your monkey brain, which we all have, you know, that monkey brain you know, you got to immediately feed that right. that sensation right. and, and fix it. You know, if you can pause in it, I think that opens up your world to understand, you know, that's part of the process of understanding, okay, if I can do this, then I can do this.
0: Yeah. Well, and a lot of times I think when it comes to eating that kind of junk food, and I know I've done this before, is, you know, your brain wants to work less. So your brain wants to be on autopilot. So, and this is exactly what you said with the pause thing. So before you do it, and there's a, there's a gal named Mel Robbins who has, she, I I don't know if the name of the book was the five second rule or whatever, but her whole thing is, you know, if you, if you have an instinct, you have five seconds to act on it. So if you want to like, you know, if you want to go up and meet somebody, whether it be at a bar or in a professional setting or whatever, you know, if you think about it, you won't do it. So, it, she's, yep. she's, so her thing is the same thing with diet. You know, before you eat that, count backwards and and initiate the front part of your brain, which is the part that is live that's that you're controlling versus the autopilot part of your brain. And that's a really dumbed down version of her, what she's saying, but a lot of it it goes back to what you're saying. If you actually think about it, instead of just just following through with the 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 habit or whatever you want to call it, that you've that you've made, you know, you will you're going to end up making better decisions and all that's all life is, is a, a series of decisions one after another, you know?
1: Yep. Stop reacting to things and start, you know, thinking them through basically. Yeah. You yeah. know, So, um, but I think that pretty much wraps up everything we have for today. Um, you know, my big thing is, is hard work overcomes most things. So I know it's definitely changed my life. And, and I mean, I know people look at me crazy when I say it, but, hard work's my, the most favorite thing that I, in the world to me. So, um, and that's because what it's allowed me to, you know, achieve in life. So, uh, I think it's irreplaceable. And I think, I, I think people are, uh, they're missing out if they've never experienced the true value of hard work and discipline.
0: Well said, well said.
1: Thank you for listening to our fourth podcast. You guys have a good day.
0: Thank you for listening to the Plunkett Fitness Project. Please share with your friends, subscribe, rate, and review. For more info, visit our website, plunkettfitness.com.